0: Welcome back to the Rights and Liberties podcast, as we continue to discuss the Federalist Papers. Today, we will discuss Federalist 11. Now, I always like to break down each of these essays into three big ideas. So, here are three big ideas about Federalist XI. Big Idea 1. Hamilton saw the potential for the USA to become a significant trading power. Big Idea 2, an important element of realizing this possibility, Hamilton thought that the USA would need a significant navy. Big Idea 3 pertains to Hamilton's discussion late in Federalist 11 of European colonialism. So taking up Big Idea 1, the idea that the USA could become a significant commercial power, one notes that this was on Hamilton's mind as of the first sentence of Federalist 11 just quoting Hamilton on this, quote, The importance of the union, in a commercial light, is one of those points about which there is least room to entertain a difference of opinion, and which has, in fact, commanded the most general assent of men who have any acquaintance with the subject. End quote. It's worth letting that formulation percolate in the mind for a moment. One might think that the commercial importance of the USA would be a function of policy, one way or the other. But here Hamilton is assuming it, or rather, asserting it as an assumed fact, a fact from which the argument of this essay will build. Hamilton saw the European states as engaged in policies intended to undercut American commerce, and when he characterized uh, the purpose of these policies, he did so in this way. Quote, this would answer the threefold purpose of preventing our interference in their navigation, of monopolizing the profits of our trade, and of clipping the wings by which we might soar to a dangerous greatness, end quote. One part of Hamilton's argument rests on a claim we have seen before. The logic of divide and conquer means that America divided is a weaker version of America. So in commerce, this means that disunion would lead to unfavorable terms of trade. But if unified under the Constitution, the U.S.A. would be able to reverse the logic of divide and conquer and make other countries compete for commercial access to the U.S.A., as Hamilton saw it. Hamilton went on to suggest that the real purpose of being able to exclude some trade rivals would be to create conditions for more equitable trade negotiations between the U.S.A. and Britain. So it seems as if he thought of exclusion as primarily a threat that would lead to other concessions, in particular, to bring Britain to relax its own exclusionary practices in its colonies, at least with respect to the Americans. Furthermore, getting Britain to so engage the USA might lead to more equitable negotiations with other countries, too. One implication of this idea leads straight to Big Idea 2. Quoting Hamilton again, quote, a further resource for influencing the conduct of European nations toward us in this respect would arise from the establishment of a federal navy. And it is easy to see how this follows up on Big Idea 1. Hamilton thought that a navy, if it was well used, quote, would enable us to bargain with great advantage for commercial privileges. End quote. Now, navies do more than just serve as abstract bargaining chips to the end of commercial advantage. Hamilton turned quickly to the dangers that countries face when trying to maintain neutrality. i quoting Hamilton for a couple of sentences here. The rights of neutrality will only be respected when they are defended by an adequate power. A nation, despicable by its weakness, forfeits even the privilege of being neutral. End quote. Now, sometimes an argument can move slowly. Sometimes it can move quickly. In the space of just a few paragraphs, the logic of the argument in Federalist 11 turned from the need for better trade negotiation to the need to defend neutrality, then to the benefits of what Hamilton characterized as a, quote, vigorous national government, end quote. Now, one way to characterize what the Anti-Federalists most worried about would be captured by the phrase vigorous national government. So here's the argument at this point. One might infer that those that do not want vigorous national government would also endanger the ability of the USA to enjoy the rights of neutrality as well as profitable commerce. One way to consider Hamilton's justification of union is to consider his suggestion that the USA's strength under the terms of the Constitution would be exemplified in the ships its navy might create. Each section of the USA, Hamilton wrote, might play a part in creating a ship, wood, tar, and other materials from the south, iron from the south and the middle states, and sailors from the north. Each region would contribute to a ship, just as each region might contribute to trade, so what Hamilton called, quote, the aggregate balance of commerce of the United States, end quote, would benefit much more by union, than it would without it. The whole would be greater than the sum of the parts. Hamilton closed Federalist 11 with a discussion of European colonialism. This is Big Idea 3. I will quote Hamilton at some length here. Quote, The world may politically, as well as geographically, be divided into four parts, each having a distinct set of interests. Unhappily for the other three, Europe, by her arms and by her negotiations, by force and by fraud, has, in different degrees, extended her dominion over them all. Africa, Asia, and America have successively felt her domination, End quote. This passage of Federalist 11 shows Hamilton offering an account of colonialism focused on, as he put it, force, fraud, and domination. Where does this account lead? Well, Hamilton seems to have thought that the European powers needed to be taught a lesson, and the Americans were just the party to do so on his account. And quoting Hamilton again, quote, It belongs to us to vindicate the honor of the human race and to teach that assuming brother moderation. Union will enable us to do it. End quote. By that assuming brother, he was referring to Europe. This language about vindicating the honor of the human race is noteworthy for its universalism, even as it is followed by a more particular claim that the honor of the human race would be upheld by ratifying the Constitution. Quoting Hamilton again quote, let, your, let Americans disdain to be the instruments of European greatness. Let the thirteen states, bound together in a strict and indissoluble union, concur in erecting one great American system superior to the control of all transatlantic force or influence, and able to dictate the terms of the connection between the old and the new world. Now, we often try to close discussion of each essay of the Federalist Papers by pointing to an aspect of the politics of today, or tomorrow, relevant to that essay. This last claim we refer to from Federalist 11, about dictating the terms of the connection between the old and the new world points to long-standing views about the role of the USA in international politics, and it looks here as if Hamilton was anticipating the possibility that the USA would be a very significant force in international politics. It is not wrong to think of the significance of the USA in international politics as a function of the late 19th and early 20th century. When considering the first several decades of the existence of the USA, by contrast, it is common to think in terms of American isolationism rather than American internationalism. Hamilton and Federalist 11 began by discussing questions of commerce, then turned to the question of ensuring the safety of neutrality. Remarkably, by the end of the essay, he was speaking of the USA dictating terms in international politics. Thank you for listening to the Rights and Liberties Podcast. To learn more about the Sunwater Institute, please visit our website at sunwater.com. Tchau,